Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another episode of STT Rewind. I'm Owen Hughes and I'm handing over the reins this week to my co-editor Tony Black who will be in the driver's seat for this episode joined by Steve Norman as ever. The guys are talking film festivals in part one and all the usual big cities that we're covering premieres in London, Vancouver, Brooklyn, Bolton. Plus, we saw Damien Chazelle's first man and wondered just if the moon landings were faked or not. Hmm. Speaking of space, we chew over the direction of Star Wars TV Universe's new animated series Resistance premieres and Doctor Who flies back onto screens, leading us to muse on whether Jodie Whittaker cuts the mustard as the TARDIS's first time lady. Finally, in free play, Tony gives us a sneak preview about the Destination Star Trek event he's covering this weekend and wonders if Steve has ever been to a geek convention. I also have to apologise for the lateness of this week's episode, but I think that means that's my cue to shut up and let Tony get on with the podcast. So as usual, we're going to kick things off by talking about films, and there's quite a lot going on in the film world right now. But uh, we've we've been at like a ton of it's, I said we set the tape have been at a ton of film festivals uh, all over the world. As it turns out, you know London, Vancouver, Brooklyn. Yeah, I notice you've not sent me. <laughs> I've not well, had this all expensive uh, all expenses paid trip to any exotic um, locations for for film festivals. Maybe we should have sent you to the Bolton Film Festival. Yes, you heard me correctly. The Bolton Film Festival, uh, which proves you can have a film festival anywhere. With no disrespect to anyone who's listening from Bolton, which I've just basically insulted all of Bolton straight away, haven't I? Really? Bolton. Well, all of them have got um, a dial-up internet connection, which is about three of them. <laughs> <laughs> all three people with the internet, yeah, yeah. still use dial-up. Um, but yeah, we've had that one was uh, Dominic Hastings who went there, and we've had Callum Petch at, uh, at the LFF working like a demon. It has to be said, he that always man, does, like, doesn't he? When he goes to a film oh, festival, he's he's nonstop, he's relentless. He really is. Like he he does, he must see about three or four things a day, and he's writing till God knows when, and then he's getting up and just doing it all over again. So you know, hats off to him because you know, and he doesn't just write like two hundred words. He writes like a thousand or more, so he's you know he's pretty he's pretty something. We've had um, Nick Lay over in Vancouver. 
delivering some interesting bits and bobs over there. Um, Callum was Callum's been doing things like he, he missed. He, he didn't go and see Suspiria, but he's been doing other other big films that, that have been coming through, like Dragged Dragged Across Concrete, which is by S. Craig Zala, who did uh, Bone Tomahawk and Brawl um, in Cell Block sixty six and uh, various things like that. And Nick has been doing things like The Front Runner uh, with um, Hugh Jackman in, and he's also he also interviewed Joel Edgerton no less about his uh, future film Boy Erased which is all about gay conversion therapy and uh, sounds like Joel Edgerton's a top bloke actually really nice and friendly which is great I mean I, I haven't done many like face I haven't done any interviews with like in in face to face with like big, I mean Joel Edgerton's a pretty big name you know he's quite he's, so you know and there's a good photo of the two of them I, I don't know about you Steve I'd get I'd get a bit nervous like if I, if I, I mean I, I may well do it one day but you know, maybe this is why we should send you because I don't think it phase you, would it? Really? No, no. I think I'd have to be a pretty big deal for me to be starstruck by anyone. But that's just kind of how I am, nonplussed about everything. <laughs> so, who who would it be for you then? Who do you think would get you just like completely wow moment? I it wouldn't not from the world of film, but from from sport. If I met Beckham, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be very excited and intimidated. Yeah. Because I think he's just he's yeah um, he he is great and he yeah, yeah I'm I'm a big fan of his as well yeah mm. I th- I think I get I think I get more like no, as as nervous about certain sporting people as well I think I think I'd be a bit like that really all the football heroes I grew up with and stuff maybe it's because in my head it's and it's probably shouldn't say this on an entertainment podcast is I think it's harder to be an elite sportsman than it is to be an elite actor. It's probably more hard work that has to go into it. Yeah, I think you're probably right because you've got to really like stay elite like constantly, pretty constantly for like years and years and years. Whereas actors, the best actors, don't get me wrong, they work hard, but they work hard in chunks and then they go off and they have a rest or they go on like a press tour and that. So it's it's a different and you can style, really, and you can like. get fat if you want as an actor. Yeah, providing you're, you're good and attractive early on. You can let yourself go as an actor. You can't as a sportsman. No, no, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. Unless, unless and, you're uh, a snooker player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they don't care, do they? No. And I, I just, I think we should all follow the rule book of uh, Neville Southall, because once he stopped like being a top flight keeper, he just ate all the pies. Uh, I love him for it. He don't give a toss. No. No. Um, incidentally, thinking of film stars and, and sports stars, and we will get back to the point in a minute, but. Look for a trailer for a, a new show, which we may well cover on Set the Tape, called The First, which is out on um, uh, on Channel 4 soon. And Sean Penn's in it. And somebody's commented that Sean Penn, right in that, looks the spit of Ian Rush. Right. Um, so <laughs> Google Sean Penn in The First, which is all about Man Mission to Mars. And yeah, see if you agree. Cause I've, I've, seen, I think, I've seen the trailers for that, but I've not really picked up on... Sean Penn looking like Ian Rush too much, but next time I see it, I will. I, th- I think I think you'll see it. To be honest, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's one of yeah, them, really. Um, but yeah, we so we've had we've had got slightly off topic here. We've had um, <coughs> all these people. We had Jen Reed as well, who's been at the uh, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, and she's been doing reviews of some great stuff as well. Um, and uh, I may have taken the mick out of Bolton Film Festival, but Dominic's done some really good reviews and uh, things up there, and uh, some you know overviews of what they've been doing. So it's great that the, there are film festivals in all all parts of you know the UK and as well as uh, abroad. So it's been it's been a hell of a few weeks really for film festival stuff on Check the Tape, and you can find all of that 
at www.setthetype.com. Um, if you just uh, type in the London Film Festival or Vancouver International Film Festival, etc., etc. Also, in terms of films, and it's a fun. There's a funny little connective here between Sean Penn's drama about the Mars mission and the big new film that came out last week, which I saw, uh, which is First Man, which is the new Ryan Gosling film about uh, Neil Armstrong. Have you come? Across, have you seen this, Steve, or have you seen trailers of it or anything? I've like? not managed to see it yet. I've seen trailers. It does look very, very good. It's a subject that's that's. I'm quite interested in or fascinates me you know the whole manning a mission to the moon actually landing a human on the moon and that was even you know 40 odd 50 odd years ago when the technology was nothing like what it is now so it was so much more risky and dangerous and the fact that we haven't sort of had any in my lifetime any kind of moments of human endeavour equivalent you know in my lifetime we probably haven't discovered the North Pole or South Pole or climbed Everest or gone further than the moon to mars so it's sort of that is such a big moment and it's so interesting the whole story of it we we've got a semi-final in a world cup which is basically the, the i think the, <laughs> the the extreme of our human endeavor yeah um. <laughs> for, for, there's i thought there was more chance of the man landing on the moon again than there was england getting <laughs> to the world cup semi-final before this summer so <laughs> yeah exactly but you're right like it, it's something that is unique and we've never seen it you know we might live to the age of of seeing man or, or man and woman hopefully land on mars i think i think it's possible but these days it's cheaper to whack up a, ro- a robot you know or a rocket or whatever and just let it go and do it a- but that's not what it should be about is it actually it should be about no. you you know what was it someone said to like one of the first people who climbed everest why'd you do it and he said because it was there because it was there it yeah should be, it exactly. should be that kind of thing nowadays they'd send up a drone yeah like a drone who would map it perfectly with pixels and all this, you know, and that you'd have the guy sitting in a lab, you know, just with a remote control. It's rubbish, I know. And the thing with First Man, and I reviewed it obviously on setthetape.com, uh, is, and it's a really good film. And the thing about it is that strikes you is that Damien Chazelle, the director, really gets you in the in the cockpit of that of that you know Apollo mission. And the camera's going mental and you, 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 you realise that, you know, and he was interviewed about it and he said, you know, it's mental when you think about it, putting a bu- bunch of men in essentially a metal can, having a TNT like practically like a nuclear explosion go on, go off to launch it into the atmosphere and then have them in space. And that's what it does. You, you realise how dangerous it was. Like, I can't quite believe they even did it. And that's, that's why you get all yeah. these nut, nut job conspiracy theories about, oh, they didn't go to the moon. Yes, they did. But... It's mental the way they how they managed to do it, like, saw, and you really get that from this film. And I suppose the other thing with this film, and also other films of its nature, I suppose like Apollo thirteen, and um, is it's, it's based on a true story. We all know the outcome. We all know that they went to the moon um, and they got back safely, and one small step for man, and all that kind of stuff. We all know everything about it. Sort of maintaining any kind of interest or suspense in the film when you know the outcome must be quite hard. Well, I think the reason that you do get that a little bit is partly because it's more, it's as much about, I mean, it's classically one of those films. It's not, it's not really about space. It's about grief because Neil Armstrong, it really gets into his life and he's, he's always a bit of a mystery, Neil Armstrong, but this sort of unpicks things like he had a daughter who died when she was young. So he's grieving about that and he's kind of, going into space to try and find a way to let go of her because he's very insular and he can't really communicate it to his wife. He's played by Claire Foy from The Queen. 
So there's a lot of a lot of emotional stuff going on under it as well, which sort of gives it a lot of weight, really. So even though it's it is depicting the moon landings and how they got there from like the early '60s through to the end of the decade, it's as much about Neil Armstrong and him as a person as it is about the moon landing. So that that kind of does it for you. That's the story you don't know. You do obviously know they get there and that they come back, but it's not really about that in a way. Yeah. So it's um it's it's very good. It's very good. It's not a big like sci-fi blockbuster kind of thing it's quite slow it's measured it's not like you know, gravity or something like that where it's all visual and about space and yeah it doesn't it, there are moments like gravity where you know you you it's very tense don't get me wrong but it's not the same and it's not like something like interstellar or you know where, where you see the majesty of space you really feel like jesus christ these guys were mental going up there because it's proper dangerous and that's and that's good you know because you really you do feel quite tense um, so it's well worth watching, actually. And it's not done brilliantly at the box office, I don't think. So it's a shame. It's sort of been overshadowed by things like A Star is Born and Venom, which um, is a shame because it's kind of getting a bit lost. So it's which worth is, it's also seen, That also seems sounds strange to me because it's such an iconic story with such a big headline actor in the yeah. in the central role. It seems strange that it's not doing well at the box office, as well as it being quite well received from what I've seen as well. Mm, it just mm, seems strange that it's not... Um, gone down but uh, you know more people aren't going to see it but then you know it's all topsy-turvy anyway because most people think venom is rubbish and it's done really well so you know it's it's one of them it it will get it will get discovered a bit more i think on blu-ray and dvd and then people will talk about it more and things like that yeah um but if you can still catch it in your cinema do it because it's it's well worth it um and you as i say you can find my review of that on uh, setthetape.com TV then, and uh, a couple of things to talk about. First, we've got some sci-fi. We'll stay on the sci-fi theme because we've got some sci-fi back. Are you, are, well, sci-fi, you watch- are you saying that the moon landings are a fiction? <laughs> well, do you know, 52% of British people apparently believe that the moon landings were faked. And that's an interesting percentage, isn't it? 52%. Hmm. I wonder... Uh, I'm not going to draw, draw your own conclusions, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's sci-fi wise, uh, Star Wars Resistance, the new animated show has, uh, has arrived and uh, Amy Walker's reviewing that for us on um, setthetape.com. Do you do you watch all it? Because you're a big Star Wars fan, Steve. Are you watching any of this animated stuff? I haven't seen any of Resistance yet because that one did look very kiddy. Like, like yeah. very much aimed at kids. I did watch and really enjoyed Rebels, though, which was which I thought was brilliant. Really had the right Star Wars feel to it, and you know, the, it was it was actually really good in its own right. But it had the right Star Wars feel. It had enough callbacks to original series and characters, and and then I'm looking forward to Clone Wars that coming back because um, that was also brilliant when that was first on. Um, so yeah. Um, but I've not watched Resistance yet because it looks very kiddy. I'm imagining the episodes are really short, so I'll probably wait and just binge watch them in an afternoon at some point. Because Rebels was... Because I haven't seen any of these yet. Rebels was set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, wasn't it? Whereas this yes. is set between Je- Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. That's yes, right, that's right, yeah. So they, so this one, I'm, sh- I'm assuming he's going to show the, 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 the path from... The, you know the winning, winning the rebellion, winning and defeating the empire to the first order kicking off. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, well, that's heavily featured in it. Yeah. Do we know if there's any like carryover of characters? 
like if they're going to use Rebels characters and stuff. I don't know about Rebels characters because the way Rebels ended, a lot of the characters are kind of one of one or two of the characters you know stayed involved in the rebellion and helped defeat the Empire, and they and they may well turn up in it. Others, um, their ending was a bit more uh, open ended, and we don't really know. Yeah, I, I I I imagine some characters from Rebels will pop up in it. Mm, interesting. What do you think about all this? Really, the way the way they've decided to do this. Do you think these sort of tie-in series between the films are a good are a good idea? Because like, I suppose there's the whole thing with Star Wars that's been raging over the last since the Last Jedi, really, and into Solo. Um, is are we getting too much Star Wars right now? Now Disney have got the license and they're doing all these movies and things like that. And there's been talk about how Disney are going to start to not necessarily do as many films once um, Episode Nine comes out. They're going to sort of pass it back a bit do you think these animated shows are a bit overkill or are they are they sketching in parts of this universe that people want to see i think i mean so far what we've seen the animated shows have been have been good um i mean they're not they they're canon they tie in with the films well they're they're interesting i mean also we've got the live action show that's that's been announced and we've seen the first images of which is about a mandalorian bounty hunter on the um <clears throat> which we don't know too much about yet but we've we've seen the first images and we've got an idea of what it's about so perhaps maybe that's the better way for them to go after they complete the the main saga is to go down the route of of series and tv series and shows rather than um just going for films to be fair the, the mandalorian is a big deal really isn't it because it's the first Star Wars live action TV show, which is mental, really, because you'd think. I know they tried; to, they were going to do one years ago, weren't they? Called Underworld, which I know George yeah. Lucas was was planning, and that they're supposed to have been like hundreds of scripts written or something daft like that for over yeah. years, and all this kind of thing, stuff that we've not seen yet because it's all locked away in Lucasfilm. But it's it's mad to think that it's taken this long to get to a point where you're going to have live action Star Wars on TV. Yeah. You know, and and the, doing the Mandalorian sound. It sounds to me, it sounds a little bit like some of that underworld stuff creeping back in because it's about a bounty hunter. So I think maybe that maybe the animated shows are going to explore more of the fun, fluffy side, and then the shows like this will get more under the skin of it. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's it's. I think they're in a bit of disarray at the moment because the last Jedi was not well received I mean The Force Awakens I thought was great um, I actually mm. liked Rogue One and Solo as well but The Last Jedi wasn't well received um, it it wasn't fantastic I don't think it's bad I don't think it was as bad as what a lot of people said but it, it wasn't fantastic um, and it didn't really feel quite Star Wars-y if that makes sense so I'm a bit more uh, hopeful about Episode 9 with J.J. Abrams coming back to, to lead that one bit more hopeful that that one will round off the the saga nicely and in a bit more of a star wars type of vibe but um yeah the tv shows are, are have been good so far so i'm more confident about them um and quite happy for them to to continue it'll be interesting to see where where they fit really in the whole grand scheme of of star wars i think especially yeah. the mandalorian so you know we'll um we'll be, we'll be checking that out more on the website when it when it turns up really yeah um Speaking of sci-fi franchises, though, the other big one that's been uh, in the cards recently is, is the return of Doctor Who, obviously, which is um, has caused a bit of inevitable sort of 
controversy in the fact that the doctor is is a woman what women on television playing women time parts? time traveling <laughs> what what is all this oh they couldn't vote 100 years ago now they can time travel it's ridiculous <laughs> it's a farce brexit but no it's it's it, she's actually like obviously jodie whittaker's now playing the doctor which is a, a great move in that finally, you know, it, it, that they've realised that doc, the Doctor and Doctor Who doesn't have to be male-specific. And I tell you what, the, the first episode came out, the, the two released so far as of recording. And I don't know if you've seen them, Steve, but the I first... The, right, great, because the, I didn't love the second one particularly, but the first one was really good. And she, I think, I don't know about you, but I think she's dynamite straight away she's yeah. so good i think she's been great as the doctor i'm not too sure about the supporting cast at the moment um all three of them um i don't mind the doctor yeah. having an entourage rather than what we saw a lot of in the um the modern series where the doctor's just had one woman with him who pretty much falls in love with him all the time and he mm. is either oblivious to it or not interested um yeah. I, I i quite prefer it when there's a sort of group dynamic of people with Doctor traveling with them, uh, but some of the acting I think from the companions has been a bit wooden. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think she's fantastic as a Doctor. Yeah, it's just interesting to see where this series goes because from what I've read, they weren't going to to link it back to, you know, there weren't going to be any old villains or bad guys in in the new in this new series, and it already seems that they tried to set up a new overarching big bad uh, for this one in the first two episodes so it's interesting to see what they do with it and where they go with it yeah no Daleks probably the first no. series without any Daleks like ever yeah. to be fair certainly since Russell T Davies brought the show back like 13 years ago so it's it is interesting I mean I agree I don't think the companions have quite clicked yet I think the, the real Deadwood is Yaz unfortunately the uh, the copper she's she just doesn't seem to have much characterization about her, which is a shame. But the thing is, it's early days. This, this yeah. could change. You know, I've read a little bit of some of the um, synopsis of some of the upcoming episodes, and there's definitely, there's, it looks like some of the episodes are going to be tailored around some of these, you know, companions and sort of flesh them out a bit more, which which is really good. Because the first one introduced some, it had some really nice dynamics. You know, you've got like Ryan, the, 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 the guy who's got learning difficulties, who's trying to prove himself. And then you've got the fun relationship he has with, with Graham played by Bradley Walsh, who's the older, you know, geezer guy. And he's, and it's, it's really not, I mean, I really, really felt in the first one when the nan dies, his wife, I was gutted. She was a great character. And yeah. you really, you really felt that really. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's a, it was a great thing to sort of put them on the path of what being the companions. But I don't know, some of the writing at times I think has been a bit iffy. It's been, a, I've not quite been sold on some of Chris Chibnall's writing, but it looks brilliant as well. I mean, you can say, sell how much money they've thrown at it. It looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that second one obviously was set in the desert. And I thought, I thought the, I don't know about you, I thought it was a bit messy. It was they were just running around aimlessly for most of that, and I was a bit. <sighs> yeah, there didn't really seem to be much, you know, the, the motives of the characters and everything just didn't seem. It just seemed a bit. Mm. Didn't make much sense, I don't no. think, really. You know, I didn't... The whole point of it was to get to the TARDIS. And yeah. you think, well, well okay, that's a, that's a nice idea. You know, you don't see the TARDIS till the end of the second episode. And what was great is that you see it through her eyes as well. So you yeah. see it through the Doctor's eyes for once, where she walks in and she's like, wow, I've not seen yeah. this yet. That, that's great. That was a great little thing they did. Um, but 
it wasn't the rest of the episode was a bit wonky but but it's it's it started overall it started really well and i i think she she's absolutely great straight away she's clicked she's got a character she's really good you believe her you know she's straight away she's the doctor and that's yeah. that's exactly what they needed to do i think really yes definitely uh, so be interesting to see where it goes i think next week's a rosa parks 50s historical episode so that'll yeah be that's very gonna different. be interesting i mean that's quite dangerous ground to tread to turn that into a, a prime time uh that whole situation into a prime time um uh, sci-fi drama episode mm. but you'd imagine they've done it as <coughs> appropriately and sensitively as as possible well you'd hope you don't maybe we'll check in with uh, the doctor in a few weeks and see uh, see what see what's doing with that but um yeah, we, we're reviewing each episode on setthetape.com um, by Lee Thacker, who knows his who really well. He's doing some fantastic reviews that have been really well received. So check him out on uh, setthetape.com. But right now, we're going to switch over to uh, music, and um, Matt Latham's going to check in for his regular dose of the cassette tape. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Last Saturday was my birthday. Whose birthday? Matthew Laden's birthday. He's me and I am he. You're listening to the cassette tape. I often wonder what my ideal birthday gig would be and it would usually be my favourite bands performing my favourite songs, obviously. Saturday the 13th of October, aside from being my birthday, saw Los Campesinos play a 10th anniversary gig in celebration of the two albums Hold On Now Youngster and We Are Beautiful, We Are Doomed and it was at the O2 Forum in the Kentish Town in London, which is my ideal gig of all time and also my ideal birthday gig. So, you know, it came up in like April and I had to buy tickets. I never think of stuff to do on my birthday that far in advance. I'm usually thinking of stuff to do 24 hours before. This gig consisted of a 45 minute set of songs from the first two albums. What then followed was a mammoth 1 hour and 45 minute set of songs from their other four albums. They played a total of 34 songs that night. It was a sold out gig and everyone in the crowd was singing along and enjoying themselves immensely. They started out strong, with the band performing songs they hadn't played for nearly 8 or 9 years, and most of the band on 
on stage wasn't even in the band back then. Lead singer Gareth commented that he can't do much stage banter because he couldn't remember what the songs were about. They threw in a couple of songs that they play in their main set since I've seen them last. My Year in List and Miserabilia were two that stood out. They also did their cover of Payments Frontwards, which is amazing to see. It's one of my favourite covers ever and they hadn't played that since 2010. They even played You'll Need Those Fingers for Crossing, which was the first song they played live the first time I saw them. The lack of stage banter in the first part of the night helped. They managed to pack 12 songs into that 45 minute session and the crowd got plenty of nostalgia and they got to shout along. By the end of the first set my voice had gone completely to hell by that point. The second set was just brilliant, covering the other four albums evenly. I got caught up in a group near me as we all sang our heart set as the band were flawless throughout. The expanded set meant that there was a chance for some songs to get an airing that usually didn't, including some choice cuts from my favourite album of the lot, Romance is Boring. They threw in the title track We Are Beautiful, We Are Doomed near the end of the set. Its non-appearance was staggering in the first part. Then the encore threw in the title track for the fourth album, Hello Sadness, which a friend of mine said he'd forgotten they hadn't played it until they did. And then they finished on two big live numbers that you always play from the debut album that was also missing from the first set but we all kind of expected they would be missing. You, Me, Dancing is probably the hit, in inverted commas. It was on a US-wide Budweiser advertising campaign for years. It's the one that still gets people mental, though we were all mental at this point, and it was a song that got them plenty of buzz all the way back in the MySpace days. Then naturally, there was only one song that could finish the set, and that was Sweet Dreams, Sweet Cheeks. It's the only way you can ever end a Lost Camp set. Side note, there was a reference from Gareth for a reunion in 18 months' time for their third album's 10th anniversary. I'm so there. As I said, I bloody love Romance is Boring. It's my favourite album of all time and I'm surprised I haven't gone on for about an hour on it. Throughout the gushing that I'm giving to my favourite band, if you've got a favourite band and you get the chance to see them live, please just do it. This is probably my favourite gig of all time and it got me singing throughout and hit me emotionally when it had to. So here's for the next 10 years, Los Campesinos. I'm Matt Latham and you've been listening to this possibly extended edition of the cassette tape. Finally then, free play. And um, I'm going to rub salt in the wound, Steve, about the whole, you know, going to things and film festivals and things like that because I'm I'm going to something this weekend. And while it's not a film festival, you know, it's a bit of a set-the-tape coup. Um, so I apologise in advance if this feels like me, so, you know, showing off. We will send you somewhere, you know, at some point. I don't know yeah, where. But I imagine it will end up being like, you know, an idiot abroad where you just send me somewhere <laughs> that really unpleasant. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to send you to... I'm trying... I, I can't say anywhere, can I? Because if I say somewhere, yeah. then or or I'm going to send, offend them. Or you'll send me to like the premiere of Human Centipede, Centipede 5. <laughs> Just some really yeah. disgusting, terrible film and, yeah. And you've got to do... The condition is you've got to do a thousand word review. Yeah. As well. So yeah, just just, <laughs> just to make it worse. Uh, well, thankfully, I'm not going to see Human Centipede 5. Thank God. Um, it'll probably get made if we say this. But I'm off to Destination Star Trek at uh, Birmingham's NEC. I mean, um, you're welcome to that. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. You're welcome, you're welcome to that trip. <laughs> well, exactly. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, but it's a two-yearly biannual... Uh, event that in, in my in my hometown um, hosted the big NEC, which is just a mega convention. Really, they get they 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 get all the Star Trek casts in. You know, everyone from like William Shatner through to like Jason Isaacs and all the new Discovery lot. So it's you know they get all the, they do get all the big stars. 
and all kinds of various different people and they have panels where they're talking about stuff they have things you can buy they have recreations of the sets that you can get photos taken in people are in cosplay you know the, the usual stuff and i'm going to be because i've got a well i co-created the star trek podcast on trek fm which is a podcast network and me and a couple of the people i've done that with in the past i don't do it as much anymore but i'm still a little bit involved we're doing a panel on the sunday so that's going to be fun so we're actually going to be on stage talking about our podcast and about star trek so that's going to be nice and and we're going to be covering it set the tape so there will be details and photos and things like that of the event so if anyone's a star trek fan out there you're going to enjoy this if you aren't able to make it conventions wise though i mean you know have you have you done many of these steve have you been to many because they're, they're, they're all over done the any you've not uh, done any no <laughs> um i mean that's, uh, depend depends what it what it is i mean I think the 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 smaller one, or the you know, I don't know how big the the one you're going to um, is, but it doesn't sound like it's one. Of the, it's not obviously Comic Con or one of the big conventions like that. Um, and I think those big ones would really put me off. Just too many people, too many odd people, too many que- too much queuing up, too much waiting around just for people to talk about a film and to watch a, a five-minute snippet of uh, the next Marvel film. But the smaller ones, where you've got more chance of actually meeting and talking to people involved with whatever the convention's relating to and, you know, less people not, not waiting around forever for anything, those ones, if it was for a, a subject I was interested in, would, would probably appeal to me. Some of them can be really broad. I mean, the, the one that the Star Trek, this Destination Star Trek one is big, probably the biggest one you get in Europe. They have, a, they have one called Star Trek Las Vegas in America, which is the biggest, really. This is probably the sort of European equivalent. And I think they do it once a year in Germany and they do it once a year here. But in terms of conventions, normally you get two a year at the NEC. You get, and they're called Comic Con, but they're not an actual Comic Con. It's not one of those things where you like, you know, San Diego Comic Con where they reveal all the stuff. It's basically just. You get you get famous people in. They sign autographs. You buy stuff. You dress up like a you know Klingon or a whatever, and then you go home. And I've I've been I've been to a few of them over the years, and they are fun. There are odd people though. You're right. There is some real odd balls, but you do get you do get a lot of people who are really nice and they engaging with the fandoms they're in and stuff like that. And and you get such a mix of people. Like you'll get you'll get sporting people. You know I've seen people like Eusebio was at one of them once. Like and I was like. Wow, that's Eusebio! Like <laughs> the proper like moment. Um, but then right across from him, you'll have John Chalice, aka Boise from Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's a real mix, a really weird mix. You wouldn't get all these people in the same room ever, like except for these things. So they're quite fun. They're quite funny in that way. But so if you get chance to go, I'd go. But go, yeah, go to a fairly smaller one. So you know, if they have one in, is Southampton's not far from you, isn't it? Something no, like that. that's reasonably close. So if they had one in Southampton, that might be worth doing, yeah. potentially. Um, you can go dressed as a Jedi, maybe. Is it is fancy dress optional at these things or mandatory? <laughs> <laughs> it's optional, but I think they look down at your nose at you a bit if you're not dressed as a... You know, Wookiee. As a Wookiee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should go as a Tribble to star trek if you don't know what if you don't watch star trek that won't mean anything to you but like it's basically a big fluffy ball that goes like that maybe i should do that on stage that might be quite fun i mean star trek is is where the fun stops for me anyway so (laughs) 
there it is, another edition of Set the Tape Rewind. You can find all of our reviews of Doctor Who, Star Wars Resistance, First Man, and of course our coverage from the London Film Festival, Vancouver Film Festival, Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, and Bolton Film Festival over at setthetape.com. We'll be back in a fortnight for more podcast fun. Until then, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Set the Tape. Until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.